Welcome to It's All Fine and Dangy, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 14. We are on our last episode for the month of literacy, reading, and writing. We are. That went so quick. It went very quick. We had a lot of great guests, though. I agree. You really enjoyed this month, didn't you? You know, I did. I enjoyed every month, to be honest with you. So far, I've enjoyed every month. Of course, this was my favorite because I don't really know that it was my absolute favorite, but it was definitely one of my favorites because of the reading and stuff and the writing and because I write. But I also really enjoyed the charity, philanthropy, the health and wellness or uh, alternative medicine. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff, is it's been very informative to me. Well, this month has been informative to me. I mean, I I know a lot about that because you are an author and you right. write. So right. a lot of that process I kind of already knew about. Yep. But hearing it from different perspectives has been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? It's also got month. me reading again. So. Yes, it has. You know. Readers are leaders. It's Hashtag also, readers are leaders. Yeah, that's true. And also, to be honest, it's got me writing again. I know. And it's not that I quit writing. I just, I guess I felt like after finishing my last book, as I'm preparing now with new book covers, new printer, I know I've been saying this forever, but these are all sort of prerequisites for the Barnes and Noble signing. I'm really excited to to get all of that sort of relaunched, but it, I've felt like you kind of have to get that book signing. You have to get that official launch of the second book, even though it's been for sale, you have to get the official launch before you can start on the next book. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to keep writing all the time. I think that's what you should do anyway. Yeah. I mean, it keeps the creative juices flowing. Yes, indeed. Speaking of creative juices, we went and saw one of the most creative Disney movies I think that there is that everybody loves. Oh, yeah. That was pretty awesome. Toy Story 4. That was pretty awesome. There's never been a bad Toy Story movie. No, they're they're really great. I mean, but I think they ended it in a very good spot, if that's going to be the end. I do, too. And I know there was probably some tears. Well, if you... If you did see it, uh, then you know it was awesome. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. We don't go see kids' movies. It's just that that one, my daughter asked me about it, and I was like, absolutely. You know, the first one came out before she was born. And so, I got news for you. There was lots of people in there with no kids. Yeah, there was a lot I, of date well, nights on there, probably, and probably a lot of people like my kids' ages, 20 yep. to 25, who that's what they grew up on. So there were a lot of people that age range in there as well. Well, so, you know, the first one came out in 1995. My son was born in 2001. So I went and saw the first one in the movie theater with some friends with obviously no kids. But that tells you how long it's been around. Yeah. But you know what? You just, you made me think of something else. The superhero movies by Marvel that everyone likes and really enjoys, sometimes I wonder why there's such an attachment to like the Avengers Endgame. I mean, it was a really good movie, but some people thought, oh my goodness, it was just the most crazy thing. And I loved it so much, but you forget, or at least I forget, there are, there's a generation of people out there that have literally grown up on the Avengers movies. Yeah. And so they were little when Iron Man 1 came out. And, you know, what has it been, 10 or 15 years yeah. of Marvel movies? So yeah. it's a significant Crazy. growth for their throughout their childhood. For us, we were adults already. It seems like they've been going for three years, but they've, yeah. they've been going for a long time. Yeah. So anyway, interesting right. with that. Interesting yeah. with Toy Story. Really, really enjoyed it, too. And then so. we had something else 
kind of fun that we did. It ended up fun in the end. What's that? We got our appliances for the kitchen. Oh, that was another adventure, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it was a little bit of a nightmare, but oh, you know, was. let's just talk about it. Pretty much everything that we've done <laughs> in the house has had some kind of roadblock or obstacle yes, hurdle indeed. that we've had to jump really high over. Uh, some of them we've caught and landed on our face, you know. So uh, we're kind of used cough, to air it. Air conditioning, cough. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. really hot in our house right now. So we, now that we've done yeah. the expansion and we're pretty much done with all the inside of the house, we're realizing we're going to have to get insulation done in the attic above the new space uh-huh. because in the heat of summer in Florida, when you can't cool your house down below like 77 degrees in the middle of the day, it's time to change something. Yeah, so, time, time to fix it up. Something exciting happened that? with my child, my son, Austin Nissen. Got engaged. Oh, that's right. He did. Holy moly. Yep. Sideswiped me right there, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for him, him sure. and Miss Taylor. Very nice. And uh, yeah, so some exciting news for me. First, it was they're moving to Hawaii. Then they're not moving to Hawaii. Then, well, bam, I'm getting married. Okay. Yeah. Well. I, I told him, enjoy the engagement. No sure. rush. Have fun with it. Right? Right. So congratulations, Austin and Taylor. Indeed. I have to shout that out. Very nice. Well- What's up with you? I know what's up. You know what's up with me. So I was in Chicago all last week. Um, I fly out to San Diego very early tomorrow morning. This is all day job stuff. But I've noticed something as I'm traveling. This is going to sound a little bit like Fight Club, but I really have noticed something as I'm traveling. Oh, yeah? (laughs) I have... Well, you know, in Fight Club, he travels. Yeah. And he has what he calls like single-serving friends. Um Because in a hotel, they give you single-serving portions of everything. Mm -hmm. And when you travel, you meet someone for five minutes or an hour or four hours, and you never see them again. That's a single-serving friend. Yeah. It's clever. But I've noticed, as I'm sort of observing people, and I've never really been too much of a people watcher until I started writing, but I have found that traveling is almost the secret weapon for an, a rider because if you just quietly observe people in airplanes and in airports <laughs> and uh, the Uber driver and mm-hmm. the you see or in a city, you, you see mannerisms or you hear little bits of conversation and it's interesting because you can use them for character traits in your books, especially uh-huh. if people stand out as being especially nice or weird or have like a tick or a limp or a thing or whatever. So, I've been doing this sort of observe and report in my notes for <laughs> for some stories that I'm cooking up. So that's that cool. part's been kind of neat. Yeah. It's I, been I think neat. I mean, I think that's what most writers probably do. And I was thinking too, sometimes when we travel around, we'll see something weird like a old bus that has something painted on the side yep. of the road and sure. those are those are things too those are good that plot you can points. use as yeah. just you know, something that they're passing on a car a ride backdrop, and then they yeah. remember it or a gas station that has something weird that it sells in it or, you know, a, a weird quote on the outside of a restaurant, oh, you yeah. know, so things like that are cool too. Yep. I'm going to be doing some dog sitting. You are. And cat oh. sitting and bird sitting and. Look, um, I love animals, but bearded that sounds, dragon. I love <laughs> animals, 
<laughs> and no offense to anyone because I really do and I can't wait to get a dog, but that sound I would so much rather travel to San Diego, even though I'm flying back on the red eye and I'll be exhausted and I would do that a hundred times before watching that many animals. I think at it's once. gonna be kind of fun actually. You probably will enjoy it. I don't know that I would though. <laughs> I already told Martin, I said I'm going in the pool and I'm gonna bring the dogs out. I said, Do any of them go in the pool? They're cause they're allowed to go in the pool. Right. There's a couple of them that will swim in the pool. So, You'll be Ellie Mae Clamp in heaven. Yep, they're they're gonna they're gonna have fun. Yeah, they're indeed. gonna have fun. Well, that's awesome. Um, I thought about something else this week. I know we're we're wrapping up this and that, but uh, I've given this advice to many people in my life, and I think I'm not gonna get mushy, but I learned this very recently in my life. I wish I would have learned it much earlier, and this is why I try to tell my kids this. And you may find this to be strange advice, those of you listening, but I feel like. People in your life must add value. The people that you now, this isn't always the case. Like with work, if you have a job that you you know you just have to work your job and you have to deal with people. Sometimes that's life, especially if you have to deal with the public. But the people that you choose to have in your life, whether it's your friend or your spouse or your significant other or your partner or whatever it is, the people in your life should absolutely add value to your life. Not certainly not take away anything from your life, but also not even keep it the same. And that's the part that probably sounds a little bit selfish. But what I mean by that is if having people in your life doesn't elevate your life, doesn't make it better in some way, then they have no value. And this sounds very non-emotional and very scientific and mathematical, but I sincerely believe that to be the case. So if you know people and you have them in your life regularly by design, and you don't feel like your life's really any worse, but it's also not any better, in my opinion, you should should remove those people from your life. Um, And this, you know, I'm not talking about your family and people that you may have to have, have around you, but I'm saying the people that you select to have in your life, your friends or your significant other, you know, and that kind of people. I also feel like it works in reverse for them. So you got to remember when you have friends, you should be adding value to yeah, their life. I you agree. should be making them a little bit happier somehow or doing what you can to maybe you're going to run an errand for them or do something for them. Because I have found in my life, I have chosen people to be in my life that were just sort of there that weren't adding any joy to my life. And it ultimately th- th- there was a drift because there was really no value there. I've also obviously had people in my life that took away value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think ever since I discovered this, and again, it was, it was within the past four or five years, I feel like it has changed my life because I feel like I, and more selective with how, you know, I don't let people start creeping into my life if I don't feel like there is absolutely something better coming as yeah. a result of them being in it. Yeah, I, I don't, I think that's good advice. I think I kind of give the same advice to my son when it came to being in a serious relationship. Sure. I feel like both people should be givers in the relationship. And Indeed, I do too. That, but yep. see, that's a challenge because if someone's not a giver just in life, there's a lot of takers. And I don't want to say they're bad people, but I obviously have no idea how it works with takers. I have been in relationships with them and it has been a drain on me because if yeah. someone is just taking, taking, and you're just giving, giving, even if they're not being mean about it, you just start feeling emotionally, financially, just exhausted across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Anyway, that came out of left field, but I wrote that down to talk about in this podcast because I think it's really good advice. It is good advice. Anybody's allowed to give advice because you can... You can learn it from anywhere, right? Even little, what do they say, from the mouth of babes? Like even a little child can give you some kind of little tidbit and you're like, huh, I should think about that, right? That's right, indeed. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, people in your life, I am going to be away for another, you know, few days. I was away all of last week. And it just makes me think that being away from your favorite people sounds like, oh, it sucks. And you can either say it sucks or you can be one of these people that's like, oh, I'm so glad to get away, you know, whatever. Yeah. But but if it's your really your favorite people that you like spending your time with, it generally sucks. But to me, I find the good in it sometimes. And that is sometimes it gives you the opportunity to miss those people that you would otherwise see all the time. Yeah. And it also gives you a chance to reflect on how much people mean to you. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't really stop and do that if you see them all the time. That's right. And I you can, agree. And you can feel it more when you're away. Yeah. You know. And, and when you start, like you said, when you start going, oh, I can't wait to get away. Or when you're somebody who's like, oh, I can't wait for him to go on right. a business trip. Yeah, it might be time to reassess. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I think it's <laughs> I've worse. I've been there in my life. <laughs> I know, me too. And I think it's worse when you're, I think you can feel it more when you're the one traveling because you are so far away, it makes yeah. it seem different. But, you know, maybe it's the same when you're at home. I, I'm hardly ever the one that's at home when someone's far away. I know. And I'm already like thinking about, okay, Dan gets back on Friday. I'm house sitting all weekend. I know. It sucks. It's this like, I'm not going to be here. It's been a tough back. month for us as far as spending time together. We've, we've never had this much time apart. We haven't. So it's not it's not my favorite thing. But we've got vacation together after, so that'll be great. So that we'll talk about that later. All right. All right. Well, that's a great way to wrap up this and that. We're going to take a little break, and we will be back with our guest. That's right. We got a good guest this time too. All right. See you in a minute. Hi, this is Bill Files, the upcoming audiobook narrator of Daniel Fox's awesome thriller In the Dark. And you're listening to It's All Fine and Dangy. Hey guys, welcome back. And it's time for our community call out. And today we are kicking off our brand new theme for June. And that is literacy. That's why we've got the get literate uh, hashtag on all the stuff. I do too. Um, Angie says it better because she'll say get lit. Or it. Or it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm especially excited about this month. Because we are talking all about authors and reading and editors and everything around books and stories. And I love it. And I'm even more especially excited today about our guest. Our guest today runs her own company. It's called Illusion Graphics. She's a professional editor, among other things, and we'll definitely get into all that. So please welcome Elaine York. Hey, Elaine. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, guys. Hi. So Elaine is also our first call-in, so this should get interesting. She's breaking us in. That's right. Yeah. Or, or am I the guinea pig? I might be the guinea pig. You're the guinea pig. Definitely. You are the guinea That's pig. Awesome. So we're so happy that you were able to take a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. And first off, just tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know a little bit about where you grew up, but I'm sure the audience would like to hear as well. Well, I, I'm actually a, a native Floridian of over four decades. I won't tell you the exact age, but a few years back, we had the opportunity, my husband and uh, kids had the opportunity to move out of state with a job relocation. And so now we're right outside of Washington, D.C., uh, which is 
significantly different than living in Central Florida all of my life. No um, doubt. Currently, I've I've been um, uh, married to my husband for oh gosh, eighteen years, and uh, but we've been together since high school, so thirty years now that we're celebrating just this year. Oh my goodness! And I've got two wonderful two wonderful children uh, and a couple fur animals. And we're, you know, my kids are uh, 14 and 9, and we're just, you know, just just really uh, enjoying, you know, uh, living up in Maryland, outside of right outside of D.C., but definitely miss my home state of Florida. Oh, wow. Well, you're missing some insanely hot weather right now. So Yeah, so. I'm sure you're well, not really I missing we were that. hot today <laughs> as you all were. I was like 95 here, but oh, wow. Maryland, Maryland weather goes, you know, a week and a half ago, we still had the heat on in our house. Oh, my and goodness. And so, yeah, it's the craziest stuff. And then the next day, we'll have the air conditioner on. So, Elaine, you said you work from home. You have your own company. And one of those things that you do is edit books because we know you're Dan's editor. Uh, what made you want to become an yes. editor? Kind of take us through that journey of when you discovered that's what you wanted to pursue. Well, interestingly enough, you know, I did. I worked forever for companies, and I was always in the marketing and communications and the graphic design side. So I kind of had to do everything, a little bit of everything, from writing press releases to uh, proofreading to designing the newsletter that that same article was going to go in. And oftentimes, I would have to actually do the research, write the articles that were industry specific, and publish them for our clients. And wow. so my background has always been in that. Um, so, you know, once I, after our, I had, we had our first son, I went back to work just for a few weeks and I just realized I, I, you know, I, I can do all of this stuff on the side. I just feel so blessed because I can still have a career and stay at home with my kids. A little light bulb went off over my head and I said, I can, you know, format eBooks and paperbacks for authors. It's no different than the graphic side, but I can also utilize the writing and the proofreading. I love editing and I love proofreading and I love all, all the different levels of editing because there's, you know, it's not just edit my book. You, you right. know, some people need a little more help than others. And so I, I really, really enjoy doing that. And, you know, so that, that's kind of the, the roundabout way of how I've gotten into this. And, you know, I've been doing it now since for working with authors now, I think going on, Five years. So I have a question about how did you make the transition from like, how did you get into novels? Because you said you were doing editing for a copy and stuff, but did you just start looking for authors? You know, most people are going to buy, you know, the, and be drawn to the books that are, you know, on the New York Times list right. and the Wall Street Journal. I'm guilty of that yeah. too. Sure. And, yeah. And so, um, well, I've always gravitated toward these other books. And even way back then, I don't know that I knew that there was this different, uh, levels, you know, between tra traditionally published and independently published, uh, until I read this one series, uh, and I just was like, oh my gosh, well, with social media, I kind of, you know, started, you know, stalking these, this author and, you know, got in, <laughs> authors all have reader groups oh, and sure. they have, yep. you know, obviously social media pages. And this same author happened to thank her formatter coincidentally. Now this author lives in California. Right. Coincidentally, her formatter, it lives in Orlando. Oh, wow. So. I messaged her. I just said, Hey, I just, you know, I saw, you know, this post with your name in it. And I just, what, what programs are you using to make these eBooks? Yeah. And so she, she was so helpful. 
Stacy is her name, and she's just a gem, and we're still friends to this day. Uh, but she kind of like you know started me on the process. How cool is and that? Like, I said because I know I can do the paper. Yeah, I know I can design the paperbacks. Not a big deal. And you know, so I started working with her, and you know, and then. Uh, she referred me out to a couple of other people. And that so it just kind of exploded cool. from there. And so it was just, it's very serendipitous, you know, that uh, it just kind of like all these little pieces of this puzzle fell into place. And I really enjoy working with authors and getting having the opportunity to explore. And, I, and Dan knows this, but I get so excited when I get, you know, uh, a genre outside of the typical genre that I work with. Which so is like romance, of, right? Yeah, which is which was Dan's book. So um, oh, then but, he re- you, Oh yeah, yeah. Your typical ahead. genre is romance, right? It, it, probably ninety percent. Okay. Um, and, and and that's because that's the that's really the lion's share of the business it is. right now. Yep. Um, it with, with 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 an independently published author, especially. Yeah. Just for clarity for the listeners, so Elaine is saying that my books are not romance books. So if you're thinking <laughs> of doing a, they are not romance. <laughs> although I did have to tell you to add one scene, and I do remember that yes, specifically, Dan. Yes, <laughs> that scene went really well. Actually, I've gotten some funny feedback from moms that have been reading it, like at school. Uh-huh. And stuff with their kids, or uh, at, uncomfortable. Uh, yes, uh, Mindy was telling <laughs> yes. us that she was reading it when she was at like karate practice, and then her face is turning red. So, thank you for your suggestions for that. That was that well, was a hit. And you know, honestly, with with uh, well, again with technology and the the, the creation of the Kindle. And yep. then these eBooks, I mean, it really allows, I, I, I will be the first to say I read only on my tablet um, or even on my phone if, if I'm in a crunch oh. or having my tablet charging. Authors but, hate to hear that because, it, it, because we don't make as much from those. But if I'm being oh, candid, I, I do the I know, same. I do the same. I know. And the, and the, and the only reason is, and I, I saw this meme a long time ago and it just, it showed like, you know, a book and then it showed a tablet and it said, you know, one book or an entire library. Right. Especially yeah. if you, especially if you read like you do, you'd yeah. have to bring a whole extra car to vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And the, but honestly, there are people who like, I have a ton of, uh, paperback right. that I've been given by all, my clients. They'll send me, you know, copies and, and I love that, but I don't, I feel like those are kind of sacred because they're signed and I don't really want to even break of the course. spine on them. Yep. Um, so I have, you know, kind of a wall of books of clients who've just, you know, wonderfully sent me copies of, you know, either things I've designed or edited Sure. and, you know, and I love them, but I just, I feel like they're like treasure, you know, I don't want to, to mar them in any way. <laughs> so, all right. You've kind of led me into this one, but as you talk about all of the editing that you've done and you talk about all the authors that you now almost know. I was one of the authors that sent you a book that's signed, so I hope mine's in that pile too. But can you kind of you tell are, us? Yes. You are, yes. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, cool. Awesome. So can you kind of tell us the difference between what an author does and what – obviously, I am an author, so I, I have some familiarity with this. But what does an editor do versus what an author does? And I guess what I'm asking is – what is it that an author is responsible for before they send it to you to do the editing? Well, and it's interesting because, you know, the authors, they truly, you know, are almost like the, you know, they're, they're the, the parents of these characters that they bring these characters to life and the story to life. And, 
you know, it's, I mean, honestly, I, I, I applaud. I, I've worked with so many authors and they have the most insanely creative minds. And, you know, I sometimes struggle with like, oh, do, you know, do, what, what sort of pants am I going to wear today? What, you know, what color, <laughs> you know, what color top am I going to wear? And they're, they're creating this, they'll look at a shirt and, say, oh, and they'll create a whole story out of this shirt that they just looked at, you know, and I, I just kind of chuckle because I had this conversation with a client the other day. She saw a, uh, a, just a, a beach ball just kind of rolling along the side of the road. And, you know, and she said and she, at the stoplight, she's looking at this beach ball and this story just came into her mind. And I started laughing and I said, I would have just said, wow, is there any way I can stop and pick this beach ball up? My kids would love to play that. Well, you know what? You know what? That, <laughs> yeah, so... so I do that as an author, but sometimes it's not just the author. Like it's the Angie does that for me sometimes. So sometimes people around you will help sort of spur your creativity, um, creativity, and then it explodes into a whole nother thing. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put that. Well, and, and so the difference is, so, you know, you, you all are really like the creator and I'm the polisher. I, you know, I go in and I clean up, you know, sentences and storylines and, you know, suggest, you know, things, you know, move things around, change things up a little bit. Well, why don't we do this? And, and it's hard, especially if a book has a lot of edits in it. And yeah. uh, I just think it's just sometimes easier just to talk things through. And that way, when the book comes back to me for, you know, the second read, uh, I'm just like not sitting there going, oh, my gosh, you know, that's not what I wanted them to do or yeah. you know that's not how i wanted this character to you know you know win the hearts of you know the woman he loved and you know and that type of thing so it, it just that's so i i'm like like i said i going back to i'm the polisher i just polish yeah. things up but you know really the authors are the creators i i the worlds that they create that kind of suck you in it's just it's phenomenal to me i, I wish my brain worked that way um but, but then i think that I don't think I want my brain to necessarily work that way because, I, you know, these ideas, just there, there's not enough time for you to, like, get those ideas out because as it is now, I, I will wake up at, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and think of something right. work-related. I do that And as if well. I was an author, I, I imagine that would happen quite a bit. So, um, you know, where these stories just hit you out of the blue and you've got to write them down so you don't forget yeah. So I, I do that a lot. I take little notes and stuff and I can vouch for you definitely when you talk about how you rearrange the story, because that's one of the things I noticed. And I really don't mean for this interview to be a plug for my books, but I noticed that it's not just like typos and things. It's also story structure inconsistencies or things that, you know, two pages ago, they put down the knife and then you just had them put down the knife again. Those kinds of things are super helpful and things yeah. I didn't even, even yeah. know were part of the process. I try. I try, I never know if an author is going to hire other people. So if I see something that's wrong, I go ahead and fix it just because my name is going to be in the book. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a plug for my business. Yeah, and of course. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, people, you know, think that editors should also fix all the typos, but realistically, that's the proofreader's job. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but I, I don't ever know if, you know, a lot of times that I tell clients, if you, if you can't afford an editor, at least, at least hire a good proofreader. Yeah. So one of the things that you told me as an independent author just getting started on my first novel was to get a proofreading group. And that ended yeah. up being invaluable for me because it was like 
all the moms at my daughter's cheerleading thing mm-hmm. that read the book first. And yeah, I told them, yeah, you know, that people yeah. feel like they're being insulting, but I told them, no, I really need your help. And they were great at coming back with all the little markups. So what I tell authors now and what I've learned from that and from you is that it's also less expensive if you get the typos and all that little stuff worked out before you give it to an editor who is paid to do yeah. true edits to yeah. go through. And I know I'm being a little bit of um, uh, hypocritical because I know that even on, even after I do the proofreading and stuff, sometimes you still catch them in my books. So oh, you know, it's a process. Yeah. And, and, and They're in honestly, every book, I've, though. I've, yeah. Every book has a well, typo here there. Well, and traditionally published books, too, that have, that have you know, countless – uh, staff working on, you know, books. They, I've seen, you know, mistakes in traditionally published books. In your schedule, you talk about all these um, books that you read. What genre do you like to read? Because you're editing a lot of the romance novels, it seems. So what's the genre that you usually go for? Uh, definitely science fiction, uh, cool. mystery thrillers. I'm, I'm a diehard, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, no, you're uh, talking. You know, yeah. uh, Game of Thrones. I mean, that's really, you know, my jam. I love science fiction. I love any type of, you know, edge of my seat mystery, uh, you know, that just, I can't figure it out. Dan's books are that way. And, you know, so I'm always like going, okay, I think I figured it out, but not, you know, and then it ends up not being what I thought it was, which yeah. is great because that's what I love. So when you go on vacation or just around the house, you mentioned you have a nine and a 15 year old? Four, almost 14. 14. Be 14 in a couple months. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do you, en- I'm sure you encourage your kids to read, but do you enforce it outside of the main I- subjects of school? I, it's so funny. And, you know, and I'm sure you all can attest to this, you know, that the teenagers, you know, kind of like, oh, they just want to do the work that they have to read at school. Uh-huh. And so, <laughs> so my, my son will, my oldest son will read. Uh, he doesn't hate it, but he doesn't actively go pick it up. I think that's and the world now. I think it is too. Yeah. Yeah. But my nine year old, like he got off the bus with, he was stepping off the bus reading a book and I'm like, well, you watch where you're going. Um, and so, I mean, he, you know, he, I could, I couldn't like make him put it down. He's like, but I'm almost done. I only have like 12 pages left. Oh, well. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's a reader. Um, and I, but I do not enforce it. I know that sounds terrible, but it I doesn't. don't, I don't think you can force someone to love to read. No, they'll um, hate it even I more. Think, I think if you do try to yeah, force it. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost, it has to become more organic to where they think, oh, I want to read this book. And it's, but the books that the kids are, you know, are made to read in school, you know, they'll come home and we talk about it, you know, especially because they'll have like quizzes and things on the various chapters. We do talk it through and some of the books are books I've read and others are like, oh, you know, it's young adult books, but I'm like, oh, I would actually like to read that. Those are the reads I like. I like like young adult dystopia type um, reads. Yeah, they were amazing. Very different from the books that I remember reading in, uh, you know, junior high, middle school. You know, these were actually like, you know, very, very good books. And so um, to me, that is kind of enforcing it, though, because if you're talking to them about the story and everything, that's kind of enforcing reading. So that. From that aspect, I, I don't, I think it's because I'm always concerned that, you know, we can, we, and we all do this, no matter who you are, you will read something and your mind is someplace else. And then you'll be like, whoa, wait, wait, what That's did I me. read? That's uh, me when I'm to- falling asleep yeah. reading that yeah. I do that. 
Yes. And so, so I, for the, my purpose behind that with the kids is that are they retaining what they're reading? And so I question them to see if they can tell me, you know, oh, well, what happened? What happened after, you know, Susie Q went to the store that day? And I, I want to see if they've actually remembered what they're reading. So that's right. Cause if, long or long gone are the days of the good old fashioned book reports, you know. Yes, yes. And and honestly, you know, uh, retention is a huge issue with some kids. They, you know, they can read it, but, you know, an hour after they're done, they have no idea what they read. Well, that's with some adults, too, because, I mean, I'm 43 years old and in college again, and Dan can read something super fast, and I have to sit there and read it several times and kind of break it down and yeah. you know i just well, have to read it several times in order for it to sink in you know what got i think really helped promote me i don't know if you remember this elaine but in when we were like in middle school maybe elementary school there was a machine at the library that would show you a section of a sentence at a time and it was almost like some kind of microfilm and you yes, could, there was a dial yeah, on it that. it was a dial on it you could turn to see how fast you could read and then you had yes. to answer five questions at the end of each chapter or whatever. Yeah. And I yeah. was I was so thrilled with the sort of the almost video game aspect of that thing that I got to where I could run it wide open and get a hundred percent on every one. So that was my little oh, nerd awesome. thing. But to this day I feel like it taught me to read really quickly and retain it still. Retention is such a crucial of course. aspect with kids' brains right of now course. just because of everything that they're just inundated with on a daily basis. Well, any job any job you do, you could arguably say whether you're digging ditches, building buildings, or or build, you know, or, or doing brain surgery, you need to be able to read stuff and retain it in order yeah. to learn. Yeah. But so I have, yeah. a, I have a sort of an off the wall question. Have you ever thought about writing? No. No? <laughs> and I've, you're, it's fun. I had a I've feeling she was going to say that. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, she's no doing way. so much of the work already. I just wondered, you know. It was... No, you know why? It's because I, this sounds terrible. I would never be disciplined enough to sit down and write a book. But I am disciplined enough to work 50, 60 hours a week. So same. So it's a different, <laughs> it's a different, that takes. I don't know that my brain works in such a way that I could, I, I'm so OCD that I would need to like chapter one's going to be this, chapter two's going to be this, chapter three. And I wouldn't want to veer out of that. And I don't know that I, that forward thinking enough to plot out a 40 chapter book or however many chapters. And, and then, but then I have clients who tell me they don't work with a, they don't work with an outline at all. And, um, wow. and they, I have other clients who said they, they write the end of the book and go backwards. And, you know, wow. and I, that all of that just makes my brain kind of like short circuit. Oh, see, <laughs> I do the other thing. When you say that, I start getting so interested. Like I am, I am completely mesmerized by the writing process of different authors. I read about that sometimes too, believe it or not. Just the wacky differences of the way the brain works, you know. Well, and there's, there's the authors who are like me. They have to have that outline. They outline it out, you know, oh, yeah. and, and so they know the direction that they're going and they know the direction that their character's need to take. I am but, so and that oftentimes guy. yeah, oftentimes the characters will kind of veer off, you know, as, the, as they get into the mm-hmm. book, they'll, you know, author you'll hear a lot of authors say that the characters kind of talk to them. And sure. you know, they yeah. yeah, so it's you try to make it's kind of like raising kids. You you know, you try to make your kids go in this direction, but you know, as they get older and as the storyline progresses with you know with your children, they kind of all go off in a different direction. And so it's a similar kind of thing. I truly believe it's like raising a family. You're you're writing this story, but you're really, you're really letting, you know, allowing readers to see a snapshot of this world that you've created. Sure. And so 
oftentimes the, the world becomes too powerful for the characters and they're able to then kind of go off on their own and you kind of have to allow that to happen. You, you know how crazy that sounds? It does sound crazy, but I'm telling you that is 100% true as a writer. That is so true. Yeah, and, and that's just it. I don't think that my brain will allow me to veer off. I enjoy the editing. I enjoy looking into Dan's mind and, you know, you know, Susie Q author's mind. And, you know, uh, I just, I want to be part of their world, but it's not a world I created. I think that's where the magic happens for me. It's, I got you. I get that. I am, you don't want to ruin the magic yeah. from trying to do it. Well, you know, I, I'm kind of a hybrid though. I am definitely OCD with some things. I use a mind mapping application on my iPad to draw out the characters, major plot points, and then throughout the life of writing and then rewriting the story, I start peeling out chunks of those and then putting them in stacks, which represent each chapter. And that's how okay. I... I don't know how people wrote books before digital stuff when I hear about... Uh, a lot of pen to paper. Uh, yeah. But, you know, some people still do that. Chuck Palahniuk does that. Neil, Ga- uh, Neil Gaiman, Gaiman, he still does that. It's crazy. Oh, I, I have a client who asked me if I would um, edit for him, and he then proceeded... <laughs> To tell me that his book was not typed in, and oh. I thought, oh no! Well, oh, well, people okay. like Chuck. For clarity here, I just listened to the interview of Chuck with uh, Joe Rogan. But for clarity, he writes it out by hand, and he does that because it's incomplete. And it, when it looks incomplete, he will keep messing with the story. But once it's nicely printed in that font, and it's looking at a screen, and it looks complete because it's been typed out, that is almost like the finishing of it. And so he doesn't want to mess with it after it's been typed. And it sounds mental, wow. but I totally get it. But, you know, I would just have to think because going back to, you know, again, dating ourselves, when you back when we had to write research papers in school and we had to type them out on typewriters and, yep. oh, my gosh, please tell me we're not going to make a mistake. Uh, right. you know, exactly. and, and, and then have to retype the whole page. Oh, again. I know. And, and so. Like what, when when these people who are writing it pen to paper or pencil to paper, and they need to add in a whole scene, how you know how do you do that? I get and, you. I get you. Know, you. But you, I do you think, have a handwritten. I do think there's a level of investment that they put in into the story. It's that's debatably more so than those of us typing because they know. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? That's there's true. a lot of thought that goes into exactly how I structure this sentence. And even though I do that too, I do it sort of after I've typed it. Then I go back and look at it and edit it and edit it and edit it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting though. This has been super, um, it's super interesting just to kind of peer inside your, your mind and get some of the, uh, the things that you go through on your end so that authors kind of know what an, an editor would go through. Oh, definitely. And, you know, our whole theme this month is all about literacy because this is Dan's month. You know, last month was alternative med. Right. And so it was all about, well, I don't want to say it was all about me, but, you know, things I'm super interested in. And we're in. integrating our interests. Yeah. Sure. But um, so we're all about bringing attention and awareness to organizations that um, that we want to help. Right. That's kind of where we're going with our podcast. So right. is there any organizations that you're involved in or that you have been involved in that you'd like to mention, um, especially if it revolves around reading or literacy? 
Well, and, you know, there's one, well, actually there's two that I, you know, I, I kind of really enjoy, uh, you know, either donating things for or just utilizing. And uh, one, I know that you all will have heard of the little free libraries that are, you know, that kind of pop up here and there. And that's, that's an organization that, you know, started these little, um, you know, basically it, it's just a box and they're kind of everywhere. And, uh, but people will, you know, basically it's take a book, leave a book, you know, type of mentality. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, 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 it it's, you know, that, I mean, those have just kind of exploded over the past few years, but, but they are there nationwide. Yeah, they're nationwide. And then, then the other organization that, um, I is more charity based, but it involves books. Uh, it's a, it's called the bookworm, bookworm box and, uh, they're out of Texas and, they, you basically pay an, uh, a subscription, um, you know, a monthly subscription and you get a box and it'll have a ton of stuff and it'll have a lot of books, you know, some other, um, other pens, uh, you just a lot of what they call swag, uh, in the book world. But you, and so that money that is used from that subscription service is given to a charity. And so the, the lady who, uh, who started that, uh, that um, organization, uh, I, I do her, I do some formatting for her. She's also has a publishing deal. So I do work with some authors who have publishing deals. So their right. books, go, you know, certain books that they write are, you know, go to a publisher and then other books they, they're allowed to uh, publish on their own. And so I do have several clients who, who has that kind of arrangement set up. But anyway, what, what is her name? Colleen Hoover. Oh, I am connected to her on Facebook. You must have told me about her before. That's awesome. So what what I'll do is uh, after we, when the show comes out, I will post links to your business, also to the oh, great. Bookworm Box, to Colleen's link, and then also a link to a just a typical one the of these portable library. library. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, totally. That's yeah. really cool. Well, Elaine, thank you so much for coming on with us. I, I can't thank you enough. It's super interesting. Of course, I'm super jazzed about everything we're talking about because it's all book related. Yeah, um, and I know that some of the authors that are listening will probably get a lot of, or people that want to become authors, right. now they have kind of a direction to go in, you yeah. know? Well, and honestly, with the with technology, again, it's made it so easy for authors uh, to write and publish their books. They don't have to wait on this. Everyone wants a publishing deal, but you can still, you know, make a living, you know, publishing it as an independent author. And, yes. uh, you know, so it's much easier, you know, in this day and age to, to get your, you know, your stories out there and, um, than it would have been, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. And so, so anyway, if anyone has any questions at all, even if I'm always available to, you know, you don't have to work with me, I will help. You know, I will answer any questions that anyone has. I'm always oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah, where do that? Where so. where can they find you at, Elaine? Do you want um, a, a website maybe? Yes, it's www.illusiongraphics.com, and that's illusion with an A. And uh, you know, and it has all my contact information on there and email. And uh, you know, again, I, I'm very. Um, my OCD kicks in, and so I respond to <laughs> emails very quickly. Yes, uh, just because I, you know, it, you know, I, I just have to. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm happy to help if anyone has any. Just you know, not even know. If, oh, I, I have a story, but I don't even know where to start. And I, I, I would that. be happy to help. Great. Well, yeah, that's that help helped me when I got started. So I'll definitely post a link to your website on the information station tab of findandangie.com as well, so people can Great. just. Go there. Yeah. So click, if you're listening right and you've been thinking about writing, but you don't know where to start, 
ping Elaine. Well, I appreciate this opportunity and I, I love that you all have started this podcast and I thank you so much for asking me to be, you know, in this, uh, you know, this inaugural set, you know, session of um, this, uh, you know, the call in uh, interview. And oh, yeah. you, know, yeah, you broke forward, us in. I look, forward to listening, <laughs> I look forward to listening to more of your podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elaine. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the information station. Did you notice that last episode I I put an echo on that? Yes, you did. (laughs) And you said it in the episode that you're going to do it. That was hilarious. I had to. Wow. So what kind of cool stuff do we have for the information station? I kind of let you run with this one because, you know... It's literacy month. Of course. Well, so so after we've had the interview with Elaine, and we'd like to again thank Elaine for coming on and talking to us, I, it just it made me think about the fact that, I, you know, I spent a an exorbitant amount of time stumbling my way through figuring out how to get books published, how to get, you know, an editor and all that stuff. And there's lots of articles online. I, I've written a lot about it on my blog and stuff, too. And it, had I found something like that early on, it would have really helped me. I did a bunch of research, but there's so many answers. So I wanted to talk for a minute about how easy it is to really get started writing, what you need to do, the process, the editor, like I said, art for your cover, the website. And, and really, I, not to do a deep dive here, because I am going to put some links in the show notes or the uh, description of the show on your device here, but essentially the... You know, the the creative process is a whole different discussion, but the finding an editor, finding someone to do the art, putting a website together, uh, deciding whether or not you want to go indie publishing or get an agent and get a publisher, you know, those are some things that you need to think about when you get started, how to do a book launch, um, there, you should really do an official book launch. You should really do an official cover launch. So I'll put some links in the description about that. But I found during my sort of adventure through all of that, I found that the writing process is pretty easy to me. As long as you have the sort of self-governance to make yourself write every day, if you can. Um, I map out my process through, as I've mentioned before, applications where you can do sort of a mind map with uh, what's called a mind map. So if you look that up, it's essentially just a chart with either bubbles or squares and little lines that go to each thing. Almost like you see in detective movies where they're trying to figure out the crime with yarn and post-it notes mm-hmm. or index cards. And that's kind of how I put it together. Other authors do it in different ways. You have to kind of find your own way there. It's I- been interesting learning different people's different styles of doing that too. Oh, yeah, indeed. With it is. different that, authors that we've um, interviewed. That's super interesting to me as well. And I will tell you that I use a few different applications. Historically, I use one on my iPad called iThoughts. So I highly recommend that people check that one out. There's another one called Concepts, which is really just an endless piece of paper that you can write on and just keep zooming out. Um, but the new one I've started using is called Cardflow. And it's really like a big virtual corkboard that you put index cards on. You can write whatever you want on them. You can flip them over, write stuff on the other side. You can put pictures in and you can draw all these lines in between. And it helps me to sort of organize in virtual space 
my plot, my character traits, and it kind of helps me get things mapped out. But uh, anyway, I'll, you know, I'll put some of the information about this in the description. I'll talk a little bit about my process in my blog. I'll put a link to my blog in there as well. Um, Deviant Art is a really good place to find an artist. I happen to know an artist that put together my cover for me, which is really nice. I've also found some new artists recently as I'm doing some relaunching. Um, I use Wix.com for my website. I've got a few businesses that I use that for. We use that for our website here at Fine and Dangy as well. It's, Very user friendly. It is. <laughs> we're not. They're not sponsoring us yet, but <laughs> it is super user friendly. It is anyone can do it. You don't need any skill in developing. And so, if you go to fineanddangy.com, you'll see that you can have a full blown website just by using these templates. Mm-hmm. But it's very important to do, and it's absolutely free on Wix. If you don't really care about doing your own domain, I what I learned through this month is that there. I knew there was a lot of steps, but there is a lot of different elements that go into the release of a book. Sure. I mean, sure. Yeah. You could just throw it together, but if you really want to do it right and market it right and, you know, publish it the right way, there is a lot of steps, Sure, but but you are saying that there's a lot of information out there and easy ways to kind of get it done. There really is. And I think, um, the, the, uh, there's, there's different ways to go and there's articles that sort of contradict each other. So it can get a little confusing, but I think the biggest challenge is deciding whether or not you want to be an indie publisher, publish yourself or find a publisher. I am an indie publisher. I would like for my next book to find a publisher. And part of the requirements of finding a publisher for most big publishers is you cannot have released that book as an indie author first. Mm. They don't want anything to do with it. Gotcha. But it also means you have to shop your title and you may go through 20, 30, 40, 100 publishers and still get no's or no's or they didn't read it at all and you never get a response and you have to be patient and now, do you actually send books to them or is it like a PDF or something like that that you send to them? Well, if you essentially want to get an agent, you want to hire an agent to do this for you because they're the ones that have connections with the publishers. They're the ones that do the submittal process and, and really understand the format of how publishers like to receive it. We but didn't I'm, have an agent on. We need to next time we do a book about books or something, you know, titled yes. a little differently, we should have an agent. We if, should should have an artist. Yep. We should have an agent. Yep. And and some other things gearing towards that. I totally agree. The trick is finding an agent. No. Because th- that's the same thing as like finding a publisher almost. If finding an, a good agent. Agents are the people that 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 authors that want to be, you know, um, published through an actual publisher not an indie publisher, they are chasing down a good agent. And, I, you okay. know, I, I just started getting so into this. So is it that there's not a lot of agents for books? Or? Well, you have to pay an agent a pretty decent fee. Oh, okay. It's like an attorney or something. You I know gotcha. what I mean? You have to pay for it. It's not free. That's how they make their money. But they've of also course. got connections to yeah. the publishers. And different publishers have different requirements. They might have a one sheet you have to send that has the full synopsis of your book, including the twists and the finale. Um, they don't want to read the whole book. Of course. but Too many of them, I'm you know, sure they get. You could submit your work to, like I said, 100 publishers and never hear a peep. If you go through an agent, your your chances are better of getting I gotcha. feedback. Um, I gotcha. So I'm just starting to get into that avenue. But I think I'm going to push it pretty hard with my next book. Um, so anyway, that's, that's a big thing for me. That's that, cool. And uh, I also wanted to mention that 
I'm reading again, like I said, and writers do read and reading makes you a better writer and it makes you want to write more. So I hope we've encouraged some of you to do some more reading or to try writing. Who knows? You know? Oh, and you know, we never want to forget our charities that we work with. We were not able to do Bags of Hope Central Florida this month, but they, um, I think they are taking a couple months off for summer. Oh, are they? Okay. Um, July and August, yep. because um, Rhonda did mention that there are other um, nonprofits that are coming to the community oh, as nice. well throughout nice. the summer. So there is something being provided. Of course, they're still helping people in need, you know, but it's still a great time to donate. I mean, back to school's coming in August. So it's a great time to maybe reach out and offer, you know, back to school items that we could take to Rhonda and Mark at Bags of Hope and have them start kind of stockpiling for back to school. So, oh, what a good, yeah, what a good yeah. timing for that. You yeah. know, or even canned, I- canned food items, shampoo, toilet paper. Think about things that are your daily essentials. And if you see them for BOGO or something, pick them up. Shoot us a text, shoot us a message, voicemail, whatever. I'm more than happy to pick those items up and take them over to Rhonda and Mark. Um, While you're speaking of sort of the charities and things, I also, again, wanted to mention the Golden Warrior Festival coming up in Apopka. We are really gearing up to start getting involved in that. July will be gearing up. So July is a big month for us on that. But, uh, you know, I will leave a link in the description to the Golden Warrior uh, website again, as I did in the last episode or the one before that. But this is an Apopka Festival that will be coming up on September the 7th from 11 to 2 at Beef O'Brady's in Apopka. It's a fun day for family fun, but it's most importantly a day for raising awareness about childhood cancer. There'll be a car and truck show there. There'll be uh, bounce houses. And we'll definitely be out there. We'll be broadcasting live for a while out there as well. Mm -hmm. And we'll be there to support Elena and, of course, her son Aiden, who's been diagnosed with a form of cancer called neuroblastoma. So uh, I wanted to mention that, and I'll put a link in the thing because, or in the uh, show notes because it'll uh, bring you to the sh- uh, website where you can buy a T-shirt that helps go towards Alex's Lemonade Stand, a nonprofit that helps uh, to fund research for childhood cancer. Yeah, so the fundraiser is going to be um, all the proceeds will go towards Alex's Lemonade Stand. That is correct. I, yeah. yeah. So, and stay tuned. Well, stay tuned. Listen in next week. Because we will, we're going to kind of launch what we're going to be doing on our part to help to raise awareness and money for that. That's right. That, um, That's right. Turning a popka gold. Yes, turning a popka gold. Excellent. So, and um, we'll tell you where we'll be in July so that you can be a part of that. Yeah, so I can't wait. Next week, lots of information will be spilled. So you need to be there. You need to listen, people. Yeah, it's listen. very exciting. I well, wanted to give a shout out real quick before do it. you go on. So I have a very dear friend who I've known for many, many years, my friend Robin. And I just wanted to give her a shout out and tell her how proud I am of her for being strong and doing something. She's a giver, right? She gives to everybody else, has done little for herself in her life, and she is doing something now to truly make herself happy. And I'm not going to say what it is, but she knows what it is because we'll, we'll say it later. But Very nice. I just want to let her Very know cryptic, that but nice. she knows I support her 100%. Right. And I got her back. 
because she needs to do this and she's going to be so happy yes. and she is going to be living life and enjoying it and I'm super happy for her so very nice well it's Shout a little out cryptic to you, Robin. good for you yeah Robin <laughs> is great she's been she's a big fan of the show she's been so supportive about my books so uh yeah She's she's pretty awesome. Indeed, indeed. A um, couple other things I wanted to mention real quick. Uh, one of them is Mimi's Community Theater in Mount Verde. Am I saying that right? Mount Verde. Mount Verde. <laughs> I, I should mean, you know. say it fancy. <laughs> Mount Verde. Verde. Mount I think Verde. maybe I am wrong. I don't know. But well, there's an I've e always said it Mount so Verde. <laughs> I want to say Verde for it's some reason. Verde. <laughs> but anyways, I should know because my favorite coffee shop ever, the Coffee Shop of Horrors, oh, yes. is right there. I still haven't been there. Oh, it's so good. I've been back since I talked about it last time. But Mimi's Community Theater, there is a play coming up in August called uh, Fairy Tale Misfits. And I will tell you, when I heard they were doing this play, I thought, well, that's cool, but it sounds like a little kid thing. I'm just not really into it. Now that I've heard, now, full disclosure here, my daughter Rachel is in the play, but I've seen plays at Mimi's and they're mm -hmm. really good. And I've mentioned them before too. The premise of this, and I'm going to read it, but let me read it first and then I'll tell okay. you what I think. Okay, go ahead. So the premise is when a mysterious talking groundhog steals young Ellie's homework, she takes off down a hole after it and finds herself in a place where nothing is as it seems, the land of rejected fairy tale characters. Here, Ellie meets a crazy assortment of misfits who were cut from the fairy tales we all know and love. Sounds like a total kid thing, right? So when I heard them do the first round of auditions for the play and I heard them reading the script... I was cracking up because it is very much like Shrek. It is sarcasm. Oh. It's a lot of little, um, it's full of puns and it's it's witty. It's one joke after the other. By the time you get a joke, they've already started into the second joke. Oh, that's so, great. That's so going to be fun. It really is going to be fun. But the show times, you can buy tickets now for this. It's going to be on uh, August 2nd, August 3rd, August, oh, let's see, 2nd, 3rd of Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m., Sunday, August 4th at 2 p.m., and then the next weekend, Friday, August 9th, Saturday, August 10th, both at 8 p.m., and then Sunday, August 11th at 2 p.m. Highly recommended. Of course, I'll be there. Angie will be there at yeah. some of them as well. But Rachel will not let us watch the um, practices, the rehearsals. Well, I mean, that's Because she wants cool. it to be a surprise. That's right. So, I so love I, that. I sat in the hallway and edited a podcast last yes. time I was there. uh-huh. The well, one they heard That today. is your job. Uh, I guess it is. <laughs> so anyway, I think that about wraps it up. I'm off to San Diego tomorrow, and then when I get back, we've got a short week, and then what's happening? Vacation. That's right. Anna Maria Island. We Super excited. We We're drinking Rum Runners. That's yes. all I'm going to say. It's going to be a good week. And now the kids can drive the golf cart around. That's right, and they we can. We don't have to do anything. Yep, that is right, baby. So are we going to do a vacation special? We're thinking about it. We're thinking about it, but we will see if we want some real rest and relaxation. Yeah, we may skip Because we're week. coming back to the grind. The we, day you know after we come back is our... You know, our special event, I mean, which I we'll hate, talk about next week. Oh, yeah, it's true. I hate to skip a week because I know people get excited for the show. And Maybe and, we'll do like a little Facebook Live thing or something. Yeah, we'll that do something. Cool. We'll do something. But yeah. at the very least, we'll record some cool stuff and maybe put that in the show for the week we get back. Yeah, that might be cool. Yeah. But we want to hear from you guys. I mean, what are you doing on vacation? You know, call us 407-490-3899 or email us at feedback at findandangie.com. Or reach out on social media. Let us know. That's what are you right. doing for a vacation? We want to hear. We would love to hear. And one last reminder. We still have, you still have like a few days left <gasps> yes. to join in that Kindle giveaway we have. So that's your chance to win. 
a brand new in the box shiny Kindle Fire tablet. A it comes with an audio copy or coupon for an audio copy of my first novel in the dark. And then second and third place prizes will be a code for an audio copy of my first novel in the dark as well. So first place prize comes with the Kindle and the code. Second and third place prizes are a code. The book's normally like 20 bucks on Audible, so it's pretty decent uh, yeah. code. Cool. So Still, I'm excited you about win. that. That's right. You've and got there's a few a good, more days. Uh, there's a lot of people have entered. So right. and we're and, gonna um we are gonna do that live on Facebook June 29th. We will announce the time on our social media, so please stay tuned. That's this coming Saturday. This so Saturday. That's, uh, today is Thursday. That is two more days you have. So Actually, it's only one more day you have because the cutoff is uh, Saturday. Saturday is when we're going to do it. We're going to yeah. do a um, on Facebook Live. We'll run a randomizer so you can see that we're not cheating or yeah. selecting favorites. And then we'll announce the winners on the air. Now, so how do you exciting. join, you might ask? Yes. Well, what you can do is you need to find that original post that we talked about the um, giveaway. On Facebook. On Facebook. That's right. And you need to like, tag, share. Make sure you do it in that order or we cannot see who actually did all three. So. Yes. Yes. So So if you did not do that in that order, go back and do it, please. Yes, please. We did see a couple people liked it and then I couldn't tell what happened after that. So, uh, but uh, we have had a decent amount of people that have joined the contest, but your odds are still pretty good. Yeah, they're good. So even though it's hot outside, just try to stay cool and see what you can do to brighten up somebody's day just by being kind because we're all in the same boat here in Florida, super hot outside, sweaty, sticky, it's very irritable. Just be kind. Be kind to one another. Agree. And please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Don't forget to say that every time. And remember, the great thing about a podcast is you can listen to them anytime. That's right. All right. And also remember, at the end of every day, it's it's all all fine and dangy. Alaska. <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead and do it. It's good. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. Yeah, let them go first in the traffic, whatever it takes. So that we all can just spread a little peace. Love, enjoy it. <laughs> anyway. Write a little piece. That's my, that's my tidbit. <laughs> you guys want to get it out. Second and third place prizes or are, and then second and third place, what is wrong with me tonight? And then second and third place prizes are a coupon for the audio. And second and third place. Jesus. And second and third place prizes are, and, and then we also have second and third place prizes, which is a. Do you want me to say it?